suburban eastern Australia, an environment that has, over time, evolved some extraordinarily unique groups of Homo sapiens. But today, we observe a small tribe akin to a group of meerkats that gather together atop a small mound to watch, question, and discuss the current events of their city, their country, and their world at large. Let's listen keenly and observe this group fondly known as the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove. Hello and welcome back, dear listener. Yes, episode 406 of the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove podcast. I'm Trevor. With me as always, Scott the Velvet Glove. How are you, Scott? Good, thanks, Trevor. G'day, Trevor. G'day, Joe. G'day, listeners. I hope everyone's doing well. Hopefully they are. And Joe, it's uh, morning time for you and we've brought it forward an hour so you can run some errands later this morning. Welcome aboard again, Joe. Morning all. Enjoying your travels over there, Joe? It's all good fun? I've been looking after mum, so it's been hard work. But right. It's, it's nice to see her after five years and today, glorious sunshine day after the miserable few days we've been having. There you go. Mm. Just go for a walk in the English countryside. Is that what you do? Yeah. Not really. She's got Parkinson's, so walking's quite difficult for her. Uh, okay. All right. Well, what are we going to talk about? Got a few religious issues have cropped up, so we'll talk about those. And a new speaker in the uh, Congress in the US and an essential report just came out looking at people's attitudes to renewable energy and climate change. Maybe a brief. Oh, really? Word, hmm, maybe a brief word on Gaza. So, yeah, yeah, I haven't done as much preparation as I normally do. So this one's going to be a little bit scatty, I think. Uh, a little bit more free flowing. We'll see where we end up on this. So yeah, all over the shop probably. Guys, I didn't give you this one because it just came in late. But got this email, which was the Australian Financial Review has an article suggesting retirees should be allowed to exempt any proceeds from downsizing from the age pension means test. People don't want to downsize if they get their pension reduced. And the writer of this email says, all I see is baby boomer homeowners who want to have their cake and eat it too. Why not include home value in the means test? All these exemptions warp the system into inflating asset prices. Makes me mad, exclamation mark. I agree wholeheartedly with him. Mm. I think to myself that they should never have exempted the private home from the assets test. Mm. It's got to be in there because, you know, you're going to find a, you know, I can just see it now. You've got this position, you know, you've probably got this woman that bought the house in the 30s in Vaucluse and now it's worth over two or three million bucks. In Vaucluse, try five, six, ten. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Radio, yeah. I yeah. don't know. But anyway, it's a hell of a lot more. Mm. And she's going to be sitting on a on an age pension mm. when she's sitting on a when she's sitting on a property that's worth five or six million dollars. So I don't have any complaint with that at all. Right. I agree wholeheartedly with that bloke. Right. Joe, you got a message Inter- oh, it's your internet that appears flaky. The rest of us seem okay, hopefully. Yes. Okay. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, there already is an exemption where if you sell your home and downsize, you can already roll some of that into super. I'm not exactly sure of the amount, but I know it's a few hundred thousand dollars worth for each mm. husband and wife. So, And then once it's in super, that, of course, is exempt from a means from, test. And it's, it's already. exempt from 
it's exempt from income tax and all that sort of stuff. I'm not sure if it's exempt from the means test. I would have thought that was just an asset in the means test. I couldn't mm. tell you. Maybe if it's if you've converted it into a income stream, it will be it would be exempt from the yeah that would give, yeah because that yeah. that then the income stream forms part of the income test for the asset yeah the, and then a lot piece. of superannuation income stream is exempt from the income test as well mm. yeah the short answer is as a boomer you can pour a lot of money into super and still get absolutely we have a substantial you know, amount I, of pension still qualify i'm i'm the first to admit that i am taking advantage of the income tax laws right now mm. you know i am I am minimising my income tax. I have bought a rental property and I have also put in, oh, what is it, 250 bucks a week this year into superannuation. Mm. You know, it's uh, yeah, <laughs> if the income tax laws are going to be structured this way, I will take advantage of them. Thank, thank you, Kerry Packer. Yes. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, it's, and fair enough too. Like no criticism well, at know, all. That's the law that applies. You're entitled exactly. to it. Exactly. I was I was playing by the rules, mm. you know, and do I think it's morally right? No, I don't. Mm. I don't think it's morally right. Mm. But these are the rules that the government has given us to play by. So we just got to play by the rules. And if you play by the rules and if you can make the rules work for you, you just good luck to you. Mm. What will actually really piss me off is if we go and if they change it down the track and they turn around and say, oh, yeah, well, you know, we can only have it, you can only have it, you can only have the income from superannuation tax-free for those people that are already 70 years and older and that everyone else that's getting into that stage, you're going to have to start paying a little bit of income tax. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's all these... No government's prepared to do anything without grandfathering existing provisions a lot of the time, mm. so... Which is what it's set up for the boomers. The boomers are okay because yes. they're going to be grandfathered. Yes. The rest of us aren't. Well, hopefully we're getting old enough. But with every year that passes, we... <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. But if you're young... Now, what are they, what are they called? Young people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I have said before to the younger people, I have apologised to them. I've apologised to members of my family. You mm. know, it's... Yet another I reason, was born at the right time. Yet another reason to vote green, Scott. Because they seem to be the party that's going to tackle these sorts of things. Yeah, I suppose. Mm, yeah. Yep. So, yeah. Okay. I've got some, got some things came along. There was an article about Jehovah's Witness family and being forced to allow blood transfusions for their child in an operation. And also saw an article about a Catholic hospital that wouldn't allow voluntary assisted dying, which surprised somebody who wanted to access it. And also an article about Christian prayers. So uh, this is a Melbourne council has ditched Christian prayer. Let's start with that one. Borundara has stopped using prayer at meetings. They've dumped the traditional Christian prayer after lawyers complained it was a breach of human rights law. And the city... Uh, voted on it and the motion passed nine votes to one to remove the prayer. And in case you're wondering what the prayer was, here is the wording. <clears throat> Almighty God, we humbly seek your blessings upon this council. Direct and prosper its deliberations to the advancement of your glory and the true welfare of the people of the city of Borundara. Amen. So, uh, Scott... Is that a good thing? Get rid of the Christian prayer? 
Yeah, it is. Yeah. Why should we get rid of the Christian prayer? Just what's the basic reason there? <laughs> okay. Because you, okay, it's a. Why are we against that? Well, I know why I'm against it. I'm against it because it's non-inclusive. It, you know, it it restricts the it restricts the rights and all that sort of stuff to one particular subset of the community. So you've got this thing that is saying that you know, well, the Christians are the majority over here, so we just got to say a prayer for them every time. Mm -hmm. Now. I've got absolutely no problems with secular invocations and that type of thing that are completely non-religious. That that's the way we should go, you know. Because there was that uh, council with that nutter and everything was in Melbourne or no Adelaide, wasn't it? Where there was that nutter that was saying that the I've, I've lost, out I've lost track of the nutters lately. Yeah, I know. <laughs> anyway, there was a nutter that was I think it was in Adelaide Council that was screaming out the Christian prayer and that sort of thing, and they just said, "No, you can't do that. You've just got to." And what they were going to replace that with was a moment of silence. I think it was a minute silence, something like that, at the beginning of the whole thing where the councillors were encouraged to think about the work they were doing and that type of thing, mm. which I've got absolutely no problem with. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it wasn't a minute of quiet contemplation. Yeah. Mm. So, Which it, allowed the religious to pray to their gods and the non-religious to think about what they were doing. Exactly, yeah. Mm. Let me play devil's advocate. I know what mm -hmm. you're going to say. <laughs> That's because you read my notes. Yeah, I know. You so, know, I wasn't so, sure so, if you wanted me to jump so, in or not. Yeah, so the, so the basic initial reason is it's not inclusive. Mm hmm Is mm -hmm. that is that what we're at? Yeah, it is. You're not yeah. inclusive of – but, you know, arguably it was a sharing of culture. <laughs> it was a generous invitation to share their culture wasn't hurting anybody and, you know, what's the harm in that? Going, I think going with this is, is smoking. I was going to say I had 50 years of the culture shared with me at school. Yeah, they were just sharing their culture and it doesn't hurt us. And after all, religious leaders know what's good for their flock and their flock wants it. So if... Yeah, that's if they, their if, flock. Yeah, if, if, if Christians want this... And if their leaders know what they want and it doesn't harm us, then that's that's should be good enough that we just do it if it's no skin off our yeah, nose. But I think that I think that the percentage of that sort of thing, the believers in the community is shrinking, isn't it? Well, you know, it's a thirty that doesn't matter whether it is or isn't. Just a substantial number. It might be a substantial number, but it's now in the minority. Mm. So I think they're just going to have to accept their their new position and that type of thing. Otherwise, you'll end up with the Republic of Gilead. Yes, as is happening in America. Yeah, I know. As we yeah. head down the track. So I don't know. I just, you know, during the voice debate, and people say, oh, you're going to be banging on about that all the time. I keep getting emails from people. <laughs> so it's hard not to when you keep getting emails from people saying you've said things that you haven't even said and other stuff. And so you just sort of feel a knee-jerk reaction to respond. But, you know, what, some of the key arguments given were that Indigenous people want this, it doesn't hurt us, and their leaders know what they want, and, you know, it's a generous offering of sharing of culture. Literally, that's the type of emails I'm getting. And you could say exactly all that about the Christian prayer. I suppose and, you could and, say And that. we're it's saying no to them. 
no, we don't want your culture shared with us at this point. Thank you very much. Um, I do think that a smoking ceremony and that type of thing is basically a, it's an outward showing and that sort of stuff. I don't think you actually have to take it seriously. It's just mm. that they just blow smoke over people and that type of thing and they let you go mm. in. Is, is, yeah. is, is anybody out there who voted yes who is against smoking ceremonies? I guess that's what I'd like to know. Is it possible? Are you in favour of smoking ceremonies? No, Scott? not really. Not or, really. Or even welcome to country. Well, let's just keep it easy with smoking okay. ceremonies. Cause it's got that no, sort of it's, it's, it's not really. I, I don't really like them and that type of thing. If they're going to do them, they might as well do it. But... I don't, I don't really like them. Because it's, it's, you mean it's, it's like a prayer? It seems to me very similar to a prayer. Yeah, I know that. I know that it, it is very similar to a prayer, but it's just is what it is. is. You know, there were the. Is it the? Because it's a cultural groups wanting to uh, have their <laughs> cultural. Um, well, what Stamp do you call of approval? It? No, no, practice um, displayed and observed by everybody. And so the question is, I just find it difficult um, for people who would be against a Christian prayer but not against a smoking ceremony. I, I'd like to know the logic of that. Okay, well, the only logic the I can come up, the only difference I can come up with there is they were the, you know, they were the original original inhabitants of the con- of the con- of the continent that we now inhabit. I think you're so, right. I think that's they're both cultural groups. They're both are so, trying so to it's promote an a, from special pleading. Uh, well, well, let's keep going. It's they're both cultural groups. They're both looking to, um, to sort of display a cultural tradition. In both cases, the smoking ceremony and the Christian prayer have this, you know, woo factor to them. Yep. And the difference, the only difference I can see is this sense that Indigenous people have an inherited ancestral land right or right to country that makes them different Connection. to... That, that makes them different to Christians. That's the only difference I can see. And so then I'd say, okay, you must then be respecting ancestral rights and their passing down through generations. Yes, but now you're going to ask and me the Republic. Correct. So then I would ask, is it possible to be in fa- against the Christian prayer and in favour of a smoking ceremony, but also in favour of a republic, because Prince, you know, King Charles would say, "I have an ancestral right." Yeah, I know he would, and that type of thing. But we 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 are moving beyond that, and that type of mm. thing. We're saying that you know you might have that right in Britain, you don't have that right here in Australia. Okay. Well, even in Britain, do you think that the royal family should continue with the ancestral right as as a kings and queens in Britain? Like, you think? No, you think, not do you really. Think it, no. You think it'd be okay for the British people to say, "Let's have a referendum and just get rid of the ancestral power that's handed down in this f- family"? 
I you agree. Think- I, I think that would, I think that would be something that if I was in Britain, that's something I'd be arguing for. Right, because you would say that that ancestral power is was wrong not, is not necessarily yeah. a good thing yeah. to be handed down. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, gets tricky. See the convoluted yes. things you have to go through. I can just say, yeah, we're all here on the same boat. We all should be treated equally, and mm. no special favours for any cultural groups. It's yeah, it's which really is, simple. I do tend to agree with you, but it's just <sighs> mm. my argument for voting yes was it was the it was the first time I could ever remember them getting together as a group and asking for something from us. Mm. So. And also, sorry, sorry, no, I didn't want to interrupt. Sorry, sorry. The other thing too was that it was the first time that I've actually asked anything of us. And the other thing was, I just thought to myself, I was trying to protect it from the Tories Mm. because you know the Tories did tear apart ATSIC when all they needed to do was reform it. Mm. You know, what about the whole Native Title Act and all that? Did the Tories ever try and reduce that? Howard had a go at it. He he had that 10-point plan that was around the WIC decision, didn't he? Can't remember. Just, yeah, yeah just can't. He had, a, he had a go at it and that sort of stuff, which the Labor Party did go into conniptions about, but they never actually, they never actually repealed any of it. Mm. What about the Javis Witness one where the, where the family didn't want their kid to have, say, a blood transfusion? Often I think a child is something you've got to actually take out because a child is not of eight, is not eighteen years of age. Mm. So he or she cannot make their own mind up mm. to have to actually go in and not have mm-hmm. potentially life saving treatments. Mm. A lot of indigenous communities are asking in the Uluru statement for self determination. For example, that's a big thing. Mm. And, I mean, that's self-determination for all Indigenous people, mm-hmm. adults, children. Uh, it's, it's talking about the ability for Indigenous people to self-determine their group is one of the things that's, you know, on the agenda over the next few years. Well, I don't think it's going to get up. Uh, yeah. I just, uh, it just can't. Mm. Because, you know, you can't, you, can't have, you can't have the country divided into little groups and that sort of stuff saying, well, you can govern yourselves, you can govern yourselves. You'd end up, yep. you'd end up with, you know, they wouldn't actually be paying tax to the whole thing. It would just, the whole thing would fall over. So you'll be against that one? Yeah, absolutely I would be. Right. Yeah. Because it's just impractical. Yeah, absolutely. Right. If you read One Law for All, uh, Mariam Namazi talks about the... Muslim commercial law that's being allowed effectively in in the UK and saying that for things like divorce, um, it's being forced through a religious court and the UK government is signing off on it and that leads to unequal outcomes. Mm. Effectively, the women are held to ransom by the religious court. Yeah, I know that. That is ridiculous. And and that's a risk where you have separate groups having their own laws. Mm -hmm, For sure. Mm. It's like, you know, the, there was that case years and years ago. I don't even know if it was true, but I always remember it was reported on that they, a guy had been accused of raping a young girl and that type of thing. So the elders said, no, we're just going to throw a spear through you. Mm. So they put a spear through his leg and that type of thing. They said, well, it's over now. It's all quits. Mm. And that bloke, if that was true, he should have faced the full, he should have been, he should have been facing the DPP. The DPP should have brought charges. They should have, they should have tried him in a court of law. 
And then after that, he should have, he should have gone into a custodial sentence. Mm. In the chat room, Tom the Warehouse guy says, if you're covering religion tonight, I would definitely raise Spain's report on the Catholic Church sex abuse. Anyone familiar with that one? No. No. Sorry, Tom. I've, I'd raise no, it, but I I'm could, not familiar with it. <laughs> we'll put that on the yeah, homework. I'm yeah. guessing it's not as, not, not as easily accessible as the Royal Commission report. Mm. So. It's one of those things that, you know, it seems every other day there's some sort of report over the excesses of the Catholic Church that's coming out. You just got to think to yourself, well, you know, it's part of the background noise now, isn't it? Mm. In Canada, there was a folk singer and social justice advocate, Buffy St. Marie, who has denied allegations she misled the public about her Indigenous ancestry after a Canadian documentary questioned the shifting narrative surrounding her Cree roots. So quite a famous Indigenous social activist person whose indigeneity has come into question by the equivalent of what's our ABC. Yes, the CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting Commission. And local tribe has come to her defence and... That's just an ugly conversation that we could do without. It's a kind of like the who's the guy who wrote Dark Emu? What was his name? Oh yeah. Mm. Anyway, Pasco. Pasco, where there were mm. arguments over whether he was actually indigenous or not, and well, with the failure of the voice vote, that's one argument we've skipped by for the moment, which was bound to happen. Would have been members of that group having their indigeneity questioned at some point. So uh, if you're looking for a silver lining on a dark cloud, uh, maybe that's one of them. And finally, still on this issue before we move on to others, you guys heard of the Horizontal Falls? No, when I read them when you emailed this. Yes, in the Kimberley region. So they have up there large tidal shifts so as the waters move from open water to inland water through narrow gorges you get what they call like a horizontal waterfall as the water is rushing through a gorge and different tourism operators have spent a lot of money setting up tourism stuff to take people on boats through that sort of gap and enjoy the rapids at the correct tide time and local indigenous group uh, saying it's a bit disrespectful and wanting to shut that down. Any thoughts on that one, Scott? Yeah, that is a little bit ridiculous that you got something like that <clears throat> because it's a piece of land which has got a unique water running through it. So it's nothing special or anything like that. It's just it is unique. It does not mean it's sacred. It does not mean it's got religious. It doesn't mean it's got religious or spiritual significance. It's just a unique waterway that I believe should be open to every Australian or international visitor. Okay, be consistent on that one. Um, what else have I got here? So, let's move on from that. I just wanted to explore some of those topics and get you thinking, dear listener, about some of those. But you know what? I'm done with the voice for the moment. I really want to get away with it, get away from it. So, <laughs> I think so. Mm. Now, what have we got here? Is you've been keeping tabs of the new speaker in the U.S. Congress, Scott? He's a Christian right wing nutter <laughs> and, um, and election denier. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, it's one of those things like the Republicans really were backed into a corner over this because it had been going on for three weeks. They couldn't even sort it out amongst themselves. So they had to nominate someone and they nominated this guy. And what was really concerning was there was a guy from oh, one of the states, I can't remember which one, it was this morning, it was on a podcast I was listening to. They said that uh, they asked him why wouldn't he vote for Mike Johnson when they when they when he first came up, and he said because he's elect he's an election denier, so mm. I'm not going to vote for an election denier. He's turned around and voted for an election denier right now because there was literally no one else. Mm. You know, it's one of those things. It's he was on lost it. Yeah. Can't think what it's called. Anyway, I was listening to it this morning, and he reckons that you could be seeing the disintegration of the. GOP, the grand old party, into two factions. And those factions will probably be the MAGA right-wing occultists mm -hmm. and then you've got the sort of Reagan-style Republicans <coughs> that are left over. So that's what they reckon is going to happen is it will splinter and you're going to have the MAGA Republicans will be trying to steal votes off the normal sane Republicans Mm. And the normal sane Republicans are going to be trying to do battle against the MAGA Republicans. Neither side's going to win. So they're going to have to divide the country up and say, well, you guys run down here, we'll run up here, and then we'll come together and we'll put together some coalition to take government in the future. But what they were actually saying was that leaves it open for the Democrats to be in a strong position for the next 10 or 15 years. Mm. But I wouldn't be so sanguine about that because... Trump's ahead on the polls. Yeah, I know. And Joe Biden is looking terribly old. Mm. He's looking terribly old. You know, he's already 81 or something like that. Mm. You know, he's and just far too old. <laughs> you know, the, the, the voting public in America still hates Democrats, still yeah, loves I know Trump. They do. Yeah. And despite all of it, are still willing to vote for him. Like, they're in a, you know, they're on a steady diet of. Fox News over there and other crazy yeah. stuff. And, mm. yeah, as much as we might think it's impossible that they would do it again, it seems the most likely scenario at this stage, particularly if... It does. It is very frightening. Mm. So... And, and, again, it doesn't need to be a majority of voters. It just needs to be enough states that the electoral colleges swing. Yep. Ooh. And you just need some player like RFK Jr. to come in and maybe split the Democrat vote or... Uh, who was that other well, professor-type guy who might split the vote? And you're in all sorts of trouble for the well, Democrats. They reckon, they reckon, they reckon that um, RFK probably ended up splitting the Trump vote because he's a vaccine hater. Mm. So, you know, they yeah. reckon that he's got that yes. in common with Donald Trump. He might. So, yeah. mm. so he, if he actually runs and that type of thing, which I gather he is running, then he could end up splitting the, he could end up splitting the Republican vote. Mm. From an Australian point of view, would it be such a bad thing if Trump was – Re-elected? Because well, I mean, you, you I think okay. Well, you know, it depends on your <coughs> position on AUKUS, uh, mm. which I imagine that you would actually be quite happy with that if they did actually walk away from it. Because he'd be quite likely to say, "There's no way I'm giving these Australian submarines. We haven't got enough exactly. for ourselves. Yeah, get stuffed. So, America first, Australia yeah. last, and exactly. And he would he would actually. You know, he'd actually say to Vladimir Putin, that sort of stuff, yeah, it's all right, you can have Ukraine. I'm not going to send him any more arms. Mm. And Ukraine will be rolled over in a couple of weeks. And um, NATO, he will walk away from that too because the guys are... 
might walk away from Israel as well. Like he's got no loyalty to anything. No. I don't think he'd walk away from Israel. Israel. Yeah, because the Trump base is very much those right-wing Christian nutters. Ah, yes, and the Christian nutters rely on the whole um, religious connotations of the 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 rise of Jews in Jerusalem type Mm -hmm. thing. So, yeah, in order to shore up up that Christian base, he will need to maintain his pro-Israel stance. Yep, yep, yep. Yep. So I don't think that Israel is going to be walked away from. Yeah. Um, I, I was going to say also the Israelis are a very, very, sorry, the Jews in America are a very powerful lobby faction. Mm. So so there's a lot of aid that goes to Israel just because of the diaspora, the mm. number of Jews who fled war-tour Europe uh, and are now in powerful positions. And that's not a Jewish conspiracy. That's just saying that there's a lot of loyalty in Congress towards Israel. Mm. Oh, God, yeah. I think, I think it would be very hard for Trump to walk away from that. And that's not necessarily a right-wingers. That could, that's across the board. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. On the whole, it could be positive for the rest of the world because, let's face it, one of the big problems in the world is, you know, American foreign policy, aggressive foreign policy, and yeah, Trump but- is one of the ones who's not interested in it. I know he's not interested. He's not interested in it, which he'd be, you know, he'd be leaving the Philippines out on their own. So the Philippines are the only ones that have actually taken to China to task over the South South China Sea, Mm -hmm. and they had that win in the maritime courts and that sort of thing. And China has ignored that, but the year, but they've still got that there, and they do actually wave it in front of China and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. And the Philippines are actually able to back that up because they, you know, it's got to point to the American bases that are on their on their soil. If Trump was to pull out of the Philippines, then the Philippines would actually have to rely on their own and they'd be collapsing down in their seat and they'd be saying to China, yeah, you can do whatever you want. Hang on a Which second. Which means that, yeah. But Trump knows a lot about China. Can I give you an example? Yeah. Let's say China. You take China. 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 I love them. China. China. And I have to have my China. China. China because China. 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 I know China very well. China. Northwest Wisconsin, where I'm from. It's China to me. China. 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 You want to buy from China? That's great. Buy from China. Buy toys from China. China in particular. China. China. I have people that I know in China. 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 Let me ask you about China. China. I go to China. So don't tell me about China. I know China. He knows China. He can sort it all yeah, out. Okay. He knows, he knows China and that type of thing. But, he, you know, it's, it's one of those things, like at least Biden is saying all the right things over Taiwan, whereas Trump being America first and that type of thing, I think he would actually take that very seriously and he'd say to Taiwan, well, you're on your own. Yes, he would, I think. Which is not necessarily a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and now I know you and I differ on that, but the Republic of China is now an independent country and should be treated as such. Mm. Well, I think AUKUS is the biggest blunder that Australia's yeah, that the made Labor Party's ever done in yeah. living memory. Mm. And I agree wholeheartedly if, with you. If Trump causes that to fall over, that's a good that thing. That would be a good thing for yes. us. It would and be. If the world can survive for then the following four years, that would be great. So. Yeah, 
see how it's it... one of those things. I think that, I think if we did have to walk away from AUKUS and that type of thing, we ha- if we had to buy our own submarines, mm-hmm. then I think the Japanese would be in a very powerful position where they'd say to Australia, "Well, we've still got these submarines over here if you're interested." Mm-hmm. So then we end up buying them from Japan. Mm. Now I think they'd uh, they planned on manufacturing the first and first two in Japan. The rest of them were going to be manufacturing at Adelaide, weren't they? Oh, look, it's just so fanciful that any of it's going to be constructed in Australia that I couldn't pay attention to it. The oh, that's in AUKUS. That's in mm. AUKUS. I agree wholeheartedly with you there. That's, mm. They yeah. will, you know, there's no way in hell they'll end up manufacturing any of them here in Australia. Yeah. But I think Japan said that they were going to manufacture their first two over there in Japan and they were going to move the manufacturing here to, here to Adelaide, weren't they? I don't. I can't remember the detail. I did see an article that talked about how many bombs you can put on a submarine. Mm. It wasn't many. So the cost per bomb that you get to launch is frightfully large, and that's just one of the other factors about the submarines. I'll come. I'll find that story and, and share it next week. Look, we don't Jeez. have we we don't have the landmass to have ICBMs though. Mm. No, we don't. We don't have the landmass to have ICBMs. But you know, you can if you've got a if you've got what do you mean by that? that? What are you saying? We don't have the landmass for. What do you mean by I that? Oh, sorry, I was being sarcastic. Yeah, I thought so. Right. Uh, you know, even if you didn't, have, even if you didn't want ICBMs, which I don't think we need over here, but if you just wanted, if you just wanted enough missiles to make Australia a porcupine, not porcupine, let's see, echidna, echidna. You want to make Australia an echidna, then you just got to have enough missiles and that sort of stuff that could end up striking ships that are coming down through whatever that. Uh, places through indonesia mm. so you know then you don't even have to have very long-range missiles that you can set up there in the northwest of the country <coughs> you could have them you could have them set up on u-boats and that type of thing that they could go out there and they could sink that they could sink the bastards when they were coming it's one of those things you know it's <sighs> i actually had to agree with paul keating when he was giving a very when he gave his very detailed critique of the orchestra arrangement mm. You know, China's got absolutely no reason to come to invade Australia because there's no point. And they'd have to go through so many countries before they got here that would be taking pot shots at their armada when they were coming down here. They'd have to they'd have to invade a hell of a swathe of Southeast Asia by the time they actually got here their forces would be stretched and that type of thing, that they would be easily defeated mm-hmm. in, an, in, an, in an invasion. So... Nothing to worry about. I agree. It's nothing to worry about. You know, it's mm. one of those things. Mm. Things we need I, to worry about are things mm. like uh, climate change and yeah, renewable absolutely. energy. And let me just try and find and share this screen now for the essential poll and thoughts on that. So ah, let me just get this. To, no, it's not, that's not that one. It is uh, share screen. Tab, share. And there we go. Shuffle that around. Does that look better, Joe? Have I got that right? Yeah. Yep. So, looking at the screen, question was, as far as you know, do you think Australia is doing enough, not enough, or too much to address climate change? And um, back in August 2016, 
so seven years ago, 52% of people said not doing enough. And that's fallen now to only 38% think we're not doing enough to address climate change. People who think we're doing too much was only 22%, but that's risen also to 38%. So it's kind of equal. The number of people who think we're not doing enough and the number who think we're doing... Oh, hang on. So I've, I've read that. Yeah, and the number who say we're doing enough is about equal. Isn't that interesting? Australia divided equally. So about 38% say not doing enough. Uh, 38% say doing enough. And there's a significant number, 17%, who say we're doing too much. That doesn't all go well, Scott, because my gut feeling is that we're nowhere near doing enough. No, we're not doing enough. To address climate change. So, yeah, I agree. Scott, let's look at gender responses to that. They're pretty even-ish, to tell you the truth. Not huge amounts of difference that way, inch-wise. Well, not doing enough, young people more likely to say that. But again, not a huge number of differences on that one for age either. So interesting on that one. There's one here. Uh, let me find this one. Support for nuclear energy. So, dear listener, at different times I've tried to explain much to disagreement with John from Dire Straits about nuclear energy, but if you look at any scientific report about the cost of nuclear energy, it's exorbitantly expensive compared to all the other options. Absolutely. And you've then got the danger of nuclear accidents and then you've got the problem of waste and you've also got the incredible lead time needed to construct these things 10 or 15 years before your first one gets operating. So there's a whole range of risks with nuclear energy, but... Despite all that, um, to the question, to what extent do you support or oppose Australia developing nuclear power plants for generation of electricity? Oh, four years ago, June 19, in support of nuclear energy, it was 39%, and now that's 50%. And opposing nuclear energy was 44 and that's dropped to 33 So for some strange well, reason... Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say Dutton and the, the LNP have been pushing it hard. True. To, to, to distract attention away from renewables. Yes. So they reckon they're going to meet their climate, their carbon emissions targets by building nuclear. They know it's not feasible, but it kicks the can down the road. So we stop talking about getting rid of fossil fuel for another 10 years whilst we distract people with nuclear. Sounds like an excellent theory and explanation of what's happening, Joe. Let's look at voting intention to see if it backs up what you've said. And in support of uh, nuclear energy, it's that second line, the coalition, and you've got 67% are in favour, well ahead of any of the other categories. Labor, for example, would be 43. So 67 for the coalition, 43 for Labor in terms of support for nuclear energy. So you're right, that support is coming from coalition side. Just looking at the looking at the cost, 
Please rank the following sources of energy in terms of total cost, including infrastructure and household price, where one is the most expensive and three is the least expensive. And um, uh, let me just see. What have we got here? 38%. I'd like to see... I'd like to see that compared to the actual cost. Mm. You know, we, we've got what everyone thinks it costs, but I'd like to see real costs. We've yeah, done real costs. Exactly. We've done the levelised cost of electricity. And that looks at the cost of the infrastructure that you need of installing the, you know, if it's nuclear power plants, the nuclear power plants, if it's, you know, renewables, then the solar panels or whatever the transmission lines that you need and then the decommissioning of all that and amortising all of those costs over time. And that's the one where nuclear comes out incredibly expensive. So, yeah, oh, like I've lost track. I thought on that one I saw a graph that showed young people were fully aware that nuclear costs more than the others. So, yes, in fact, here's the chart here. So... Young people were the ones who rated nuclear energy as the most expensive. They knew that was the case, but older generation were not aware of that. But we've definitely done that on this podcast back in the days of Twelfth Man, actually. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. So I remember having that conversation with the Twelfth Man. I said to him, five or ten years ago, I would have agreed with you, not mm, now. Mm, mm. There we go. And the likelihood to reach net zero target by 2050. And only 31% only think it's quite likely or very likely um, that Australia will meet its net zero emissions by 2050, which is really weird given in the first question they said, are, you doing, are we doing enough? And a significant number of people said we were. So... Yeah. You've also got those other people saying this. You've also got those other people saying we're doing too much. So yes. they probably just don't give a toss about it. Yeah. Well, and, and that's what I think. They're going. It doesn't matter whether or not we meet our net zero. Ah, uh, yes, you're right. Okay. So all right, thirty. So seven percent think it's very likely, and twenty-four percent think it's quite likely. So that's a total of thirty-one percent think it's likely or very likely that Australia will meet net zero by 2050. So that's 31%. And the initial question, addressing climate change, are we doing enough? And um, and doing yeah, enough was 38%. Not doing enough was 38%. And doing too much was 17%. I don't know what to make of all these figures. I don't think people, I don't know what to make of them. Well, I'd fit into the unsure category as to whether or not we are doing enough to reach the net zero by 2050. Yeah. Yep. Let me just find back to the notes. Okay. That was that one. Any thoughts on the Gaza crisis and in particular the size of the pro-Palestinian demonstrations in various parts of the world? I don't think there's any doubt that there's a hell of a lot of pro-Palestinian argument out there. Mm -hmm. I agree wholeheartedly with them. Actually, it's it's one of those things you don't want to be pro-Hamas because Hamas is a terrorist organisation, but 
I can understand why they're pissed off. Mm. You know, they they have been treated very badly over the last, ever since Israel was formed. You know, it's it's one of those things. They have been treated so terribly badly. It's no wonder they hate them so much. But I do not believe that it's right for them to say that the Jews shouldn't be in the whole area. The Jews are there. The Jews have been there since the dawn of time, so they've got to actually deal with it, don't they? Mm. So there was a UN resolution calling for a ceasefire. Which I agreed wholeheartedly with. There should have been a ceasefire. And Australia... Abstained. What do you think of that? (coughs) Uh, Do you know why they abstained? Because they didn't actually, they didn't actually land blast, land blast <laughs> Hamas, Hamas as, as, a, as a terrorist organisation. Yes, which I thought was very churlish. Mm. You know, it's uh, it's one of those things. I just think to myself, they did I actually really support that? No, not really, because I just think to myself that was very churlish of them not to actually back it because all they were doing was asking for a ceasefire so that they could get some aid in for the civilians Mm. now i've got no doubt that hamas would try and use that break in time to actually get some more weapons and that sort of stuff involved but now that israel's coming down on like a ton of bricks it doesn't matter how many ak-47s they're going to get in there israel's going to take them all out Mm. you know so yeah australia abstained basically saying this resolution doesn't bag Hamas enough as a terrorist organisation. So without that context in there, we're not willing to pass this resolution. Which I, I, could, understa- I could understand them saying that, but, you know, they could have actually said it, but we are, you know, that they could have actually said it and then said after that, look, we are still going to back it because we think it's important that there is a ceasefire. Yeah. And, I mean, how much you know, context do you need? Because then other people could have said, well, you know, and why are they a terrorist organisation? Because of the other killings that have gone on beforehand. When, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, you could keep going back and back and back and keep adding mm. more and more context. It wouldn't have been that hard to pass a resolution. But, you know, you look at the map of the world and who are the countries that either abstained or voted against it. And, you know, it's that sort of Western powers, if you like, not all yeah, of them. The United, United States, Canada. And invariably, invariably, sort of South America, Africa, Asia, developing countries were the ones who were passing the resolution. So mm. that sort of divide in the United Nations. Yeah. Um, it's, it's one of those things I just don't think it's going to be sorted out. Yeah. Mm. Do you follow any Instagram accounts or any social media where you're seeing the graphic images of what's going on in Gaza? No, I what don't. you, Joe? No, the closest I've come is the Bellingcat report, which mm. was basically pointing out that a lot of those images are recycled from other conflicts. Right. So to be very careful what you see on them. Yes. But... We can be pretty sure that there's lots of dead bodies being pulled out from rubble. Oh, absolutely. And rushed into hospitals. They're just such terrible scenes that I think Israel's reputation is just going down the toilet further and further with every day. Absolutely it is. It's it's one of those things. It's it's bloody criminal what they're actually doing. Mm. You know, 
I know that they've got to target them and that sort of stuff, but you can't actually say that we're going after military targets because there aren't any military targets in, a, in an area that's basically a city. Mm. You know, it's, and they can say it, they can say all they like that the command and control centres are based in the hospitals, but you still got to blow up a fucking hospital to destroy it. Yes. You know, so it's, Yeah, and, and that's exactly why Hamas do it, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yes. They're, they're doing it. They're doing it to try and they're doing it to try and turn around and say, "Well, look, Israel's bombing our hospitals." Mm. Well, they wouldn't bomb the hospitals if you didn't actually put your command and control centres in there. Mm. And so the question is, at the end, who's at fault? I think there's fault on yeah, both is it, sides. Is it Israel for? Yeah, exactly. It's so like it's not a, just Israel bombing the hospitals. It's it's also uh, Hamas cynically using the hospitals as protection. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I remember it's, years it's ago. One of those things I said right from word go that, you know, do we honestly believe that the PLO were as well armed as the IDF, that they would exercise the same restraint as the IDF has? No. Mm. I honestly don't think they would. Or would they would they push the Jews into the Mediterranean? I think they'd push the Jews into the Mediterranean. Well, if either side could, they'd push the other into the Mediterranean. Yeah, I know. If, if yeah, either exactly. side could. Yeah. I remember listening to Sam Harris talking years ago and saying, you know, with the Palestinians, they would put a child in front of them as a defensive shield, knowing that the that the Jews would never fire on them. Yet if the Jews were to do the same thing, of, of course the Palestinians would fire on them. Mm. And I just, you know, I wonder if he goes back to that moment on that podcast because, you know, the Hamas have put children and civilians in hospitals in front of them and the Jews are defied anyway. Like it's literally the same thing. It's mm. just more distant. It's kind of mm. like the trolley problem, isn't it? You know how with the trolley problem where the more detached and remote you are from the action, the easier it is to do? So, yes. you know, if it was so flicking... So you can throw the switch but you can't push, push the, the fat off. That's, that's right. Yeah. And we're kind of in that situation with the... Is right with this conflict to some extent because, to a large extent, the injuries inflicted by Hamas were pushing the fat man onto the tracks, like their hands were covered in blood doing the deed. Whereas the Israelis have been flicking the switch to change the track to kill people, which is just mm. slightly more remote and seemingly more acceptable. Some. I suppose what actually makes it more acceptable is the idea for in uniforms, mm. whereas the Palestinians aren't in uniform. So well, I and I think the the question is intent as well. Mm. Yeah, I, um, I agree. If, I agree with you, Joe. Like I, mean, I agree with what you said the other week, where you said you know the the, the difference is the Jews weren't sitting in Warsaw, ultimately ex wanting to exterminate the Nazis. Whereas the yeah. Palestinians are sitting in Gaza, Gaza wanting to exterminate the Israelis. Oh, but but I mean, I I think the Hamas wanted to inflict civilian casualties. I oh, think of course the IDF they did. Aren't yeah. aiming to inflict civilian casualties. They're aiming at Hamas, and if a few innocents get caught in the crossfire, well, tough luck. So, yes, there are killings on both sides. But I think the Israelis are trying to minimise the, the civilian casualties. And, and I'm not saying that 
they're blameless because of that, but I think they're less guilty if they're trying to avoid it. And how are they trying to minimise it? I think that they weren't deliberately targeting a hospital because it was a hospital. They were targeting a hospital because it was a command and control centre. Yeah, but they knew it was full of in, full of the normal people you find in a hospital. So uh, yeah, but, and so, I, I I still think that's that's evil. But it, so, it's, so it's like, not oh, as well, evil as that's that's a problem. But we'll just do it anyway. Yeah, I, but but again, it's collateral damage. It's it's not the primary intention. Yeah, I, th- I still I still think I still think it's shocking. But I think it's less shocking than going out and going, oh, well, there's a hospital, let's bomb it. You know, some of the characters in, I agree in this Israeli government, yeah, maybe they are almost at the point where they're bombing hospitals because they just want to bomb hospitals and kill civilians. Like, well, possibly. You know, I, I don't know how much regret's going on as they're pressing the buttons. Maybe not yeah, so much. Maybe they're just pressing the button and, like, happy to kill whatever... Palestinians they can get. How do we know that they're remorseful or regretful about it? It's not looking that way. It's a, what a mess. It is a hell of a mess. And, mm. you know, it's, it's like I said right from word go, a, a terrible mistake was made in 1947. Mm. It's so hard to tell the truth in these things. Remember the incident with the hospital that was bombed? Yeah. And, and so... There's all yeah, this the, toing and froing about the Palestinians still claim that it was an Israeli bomb, whereas the Israelis say it was a it was a missile. Uh, yes, yes, it's looking more and more likely that it was probably a Palestinian misfire of some sort. Yeah, I think whereas, that's what the that's what the Western intelligence organisations are saying. Yes, based on the kind of damage that there was, and the fact that the Palestinians haven't produced any bomb fragments, but, they, you know, they could have picked them up from anywhere, I guess, if they want to. But, yeah, like that went on for days where initially I was thinking, oh, it must have been the the Israelis mm. because you hear these reports about the sound of the missile, the nature of the damage, blah, blah. And then these other reports come in saying, well, actually the nature of the damage, this and blah, 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 and it starts to swing the other way. And the simple thing of... Who even fired the missile? Whose missile was it? Mm. Is one of those things that well, really, really hard to know where the truth is. On it could have been either side of it. Yeah. Well, and there was that one recently. Is it Poland? The whichever country borders Ukraine. Poland. There was uh, that missile the, that was fired out. There of was a missile that landed there. And there was a lot of toing and froing until finally they worked out it was a Ukrainian, a Ukrainian air defence missile that went off course. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yep. But you just can't trust anybody, even when a US president comes out and says something, mm. especially when a US president comes out and says something. You just can't trust any of these guys. Yeah, well, you know there's weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. Yes, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Still looking for those. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, that was a bit of a scrappy episode, dear listener, but it's just because of what's been happening this week with my life and other stuff. Have uh, we talked about Mike Johnson? Uh, yeah, we did, speaker. Did we? The, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, um, right there was one fighting about whether they're going to have to pay compensation for their employees' misbehaviour. 
Right. And I saw a report saying that the Catholic insurer is predicting that they are going to go bust if this goes through and asking for the Catholic Church to provide funds to support them. Right. And I think we ought to look very closely at any public goods, any public benefits that have been given to the Catholic Church mm. with a view to taking them back and using them to compensate victims that aren't compensated properly. Well, presumably if there are judgments in monies owed from the Catholic Church to victims and the insurer falls over, that's just the judgment's still there against the Catholic Church and they're still liable for it. It's their, it's their problem if their insurer falls over. So ultimately... Yeah, I don't know. Ultimately, they'll still have to the, pay. That there are multiple bodies and they're mm. going to say that this body has no money. I mean, yes. when they're yep. shifting money out to the grave funds okay, yep. so that the church had no money so it couldn't be sued? Yeah. Yep. That's in the US, isn't it? Yep. No, I thought that was in Sydney. Oh, was it? Okay. Mm. I mean, it could be wrong, but... Yeah. haven't seen the nuts and bolts of that one. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's enough, guys. Might try and do something mm. different next week. Try and do something a bit more uplifting. See what we can come up with. <laughs> I don't think there's anything uplifting. The share market's in the toilet, you know, so... Mm. Yeah. Send us a, some it's ideas. It's a lovely sunny day. There you go. Yeah. Send us some ideas, dear listener. If you're ready for something uplifting and a bit different, I might just grab a book off the shelf and do some sort of a book thing. But, yes, we're done Done with the voice. The voice is off the, off the table for the next few weeks at least without a severe warning beforehand. So that's off the table. We're done with Gaza. Yeah, let's try and find something a bit more positive. A positive show next week. You know, like they talked about newspapers that only had good news. Let's try and do a good news episode next week. Do they or, have such or, a thing? Or a, just a happy episode. A positive okay. episode. That's what I'm going to try and do. Not a worry. We'll give it a shot. Wish me luck. Yep. Yeah. All right, we'll try that. Okay, dear listener, thanks for tuning in. Talk to you next time. Bye for now. And it's a good night from me. And it's good night from him. Good night.